everybody. Welcome to the 278th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling live and direct. Going to talk about this game with three real deal prospects, the Auburn Tigers versus the LSU Tigers, and rest in peace to the YouTube channel that we watch most of our games on. This is going to be a lot different, a lot more difficult to really provide uh you know, these takes because, you know, a full game is much different than a uh, condensed game that we'll probably have to watch on Matthew Loves Ball. But rest in peace to Draftomatic on YouTube. I looked on uh, on Twitter and people like that are doing scouting stuff just like us are heartbroken for the fact that there are no quality, consistent full games of NCAA basketball. So rest in peace to that YouTube channel. Yeah, it was a big help because one, you, there there are so many college basketball teams, and they play sometimes on channels you don't get. Sometimes they play during work hours, especially if you're watching an SEC school like like we are, and they play like thirty to forty games a season. So it's it's hard to really like watch every single game or be right in front of your television set every single time. Like I don't have the benefit of of a DVR. So being able just to go on YouTube and find what I want and watch it and pause it, it, it's so invaluable. So hopefully another channel will pop up in its its absence, or maybe they'll come back under a new handle, which I've seen other channels that I like do um, from time to time. But I really focused on Walker Kessler. And so I'll do, um, I got his back. I got his background. So, you know, how we, for, for our listeners of the future Friday, we usually give a bio quick synopsis of the player and how they're doing this year. So Walker Kessler plays for Auburn university, seven, one, 245 pounds, 20 years old. He'll be 21. Um, shortly after the draft, um, from Noonan, Georgia, he was a five-star center by rivals in the class of 2020, the number 24, player overall nationally at the time coming out of high school he chose north carolina over auburn cal duke and georgia he did transfer to auburn after the 2021 season um mother andrea father chad kessler played at georgia from 83 to 87 he was a fifth round pick of the clippers that year um his uncle is the late alec kessler Alec also played at Georgia, led the Bulldogs to the 1990 SEC championship. He was the ninth overall pick um, in the 1990 NBA draft by the Houston Rockets. He unfortunately passed away um, back in 2007 at the age of 40. Um, I think it was a heart attack playing pickup basketball. Um, so he definitely, Walker Kessler definitely has um, the basketball bloodlines uh, really running through him. And he's playing on, on a fabulous Auburn Tiger basketball team. Auburn is currently 24 and two ranked number two in both the coaches and AP polls. And uh, Kessler is having a season to uh, remember at the moment through, through uh, February 17th, the day that we are recording, he's averaging 12 points, 8.4 rebounds, 4.7 blocks per game. Not only does that lead division one college basketball, it is the highest average that I was able to find since Northwestern States, William Mosley, did it in 2011 when he averaged 4.88. And if you're looking for a comp from an NBA star, Kentucky's Anthony Davis did it uh, a year after that in 2012, 
4.62. So he is on elite territory right now with how well he is uh, swatting the basketball. Uh, shoots the ball at a ridiculous 64% from the field, uh, 20% from three, 66% from the free throw line in just 25 minutes per game. And Sage, the most ridiculous stat is his player efficiency rating is 33.7, the highest that have that, that we have measured since doing these future Fridays. Only Chet Holmgren had eclipsed the 30 PER mark. So what he is doing this year is just second to none. He has two triple doubles already this year with blocks, which is just absurd. In this particular game, he racked up the one of those triple doubles, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 11 blocks, just two turnovers, just three personal fouls in 29 minutes of action, uh, shot six of eight from the field, even hit a three-point shot, uh, three of four from the line, uh, really plays basketball at a very high rate, very effective, very efficient. What was the first thing that stood out to you when, when watching uh, Kessler in the SEC opener against the LSU Tigers? I th- I felt like Jabari Smith, who's probably the number one pick in the upcoming draft, struggled because of the LSU defense. And that gave Walker Kessler, it, it was time for him to step up. Because if you watch that game, and it, it is one of the more more bizarre games you've ever seen in a college basketball game with uh, LSU not scoring a point for what seems like 15 real minutes. LSU is one of the best defensive teams. Like at that time, they were the number one ranked team. So they played Jabari. They were undefeated at, at the time as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They were there. LSU at that time was a very good team. You know, Tari Eason, who's uh, going to be a lotto pick, probably one of the worst games for us to look at, but you saw the skill set because he was on Jabari a lot. So it was time for Walker to, uh, to to step up and dude's ability to affect the game. A lot of different ways is just amazing because there's guys that can get you shot blocks, but they're like, they lose all contain on defense. Walker Kessler gets the shot blocks, makes those impact plays without it being some crazy, like high risk, high reward type of action. Like again, mentioning Tari Eason, probably a 99th percentile defender in this uh, draft class, really great defender, but makes some really bad mistakes on rotations. You don't see that with Walker Kessler. I, I just think that the full complement of his game just is, it, it's just so effective in basketball to have a guy that can do all the things, move well, defend well. He has the chance to be like, a guy that can help on pick and rolls, help side blocks, and post up defense. He has a chance to be a really, really great defender in this league. Yeah, the first first couple of things when, when I watch a true center, like not somebody who can play the four or the five, like somebody who, if you're going to be on the floor, they have to be a center. The first thing I look at are their feet. How do they move? How do they run up the floor? Do they look like they're laboring? Uh, are they taking big, giant, you know, honking steps? No, he was really smooth and, and agile and almost sleek, you know, running up and down the floor. He has really good movement. Uh, you can tell that he just has a great feel for the game. I was watching their game yesterday against Vanderbilt, and one of the announcers mentioned that that their head coach, Bruce Pearl, said he just knows how to land gracefully. Like he can kind of hang in the air just enough to where he's able to fall down 
And that is such, and it kind of like was a, a aha moment for me, like the light bulb went off because you see so many bigs and they just don't, they look like, you know, giraffes up there and they don't know how they're going to land. He just lands gracefully. He knows where he's going to be. And I think that really uh, is a, as an, a testament to how well he is able to play vertically. Like he gets great verticality. You can see that he doesn't foul a lot. And that is a huge problem for a lot of young bigs, especially shot blockers there. And he, he just knows the, the time and place when to go after a block shot. I, I think there are a few other really positives to him as a prospect. One, I think there is an elite level uh, off ball weak side, you know, shot blocker and also a man to man defense shot blocker as well. And he doesn't chase blocks that would leave an opening for the defense. Yes. I'm talking about you, Hassan Whiteside, uh, Andre Drummond, like, no, we have seen players like that in the league that are stat patterns and the stats look great, but sure you get a block on one end, but did you leave an opening for somebody else the next time around? So I feel like Kessler does a really good job of he, everything comes to him within the flow of the defense. And when you have a player like that, it's just going to make everyone one better. So I thought that was great that he is able to, to move well and, and play within in the system. And you, you touched on his ability to uh, go out and, and, and guard the pick and roll. He does with his length, he has really solid uh, closeout potential like, like Chet Holmgren. And he's just able to hold his own um, again in the game against Vanderbilt. He was, got matched up quite a bit against uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., who uh, is probably going to be an NBA prospect as well, who had, who had a good night. And he, you know, he got beat a couple times, but I thought that was a good test for him. I don't know if the LSU guards are going to be really think anything in comparison to what he's going to see, you know, coming up in the, in the NCAA tournament. Um, they didn't run a lot of action like that, but you can just kind of tell by how he's able to move that you can get him out there in a couple of situations and you're not going to be fearing for your life. Um, so I think there is, he has a lot of playability, meaning he's going to be able to stay on the floor regardless of what type of scheme or strategy or personnel exactly that, the, that the opposition is going to throw out there. So I think that is such a big positive for a, a true center because a lot of true centers you can only play them against, you know, certain schemes or certain personnel, but I feel like he is going to be one of those rare bigs that, no, he's going to play whatever you want to go up against and he's going to punish you. I mean, like you're talking about switchability, but how there's a very small list of centers that are able to show that type of switchability. Like obviously the gold standard is Bam Adebayo and there's no way in hell that we can compare Walker Kessler to Bam Adebayo. I mean, there's like five inches of height difference as well, but it's a very short list of pro defenders that can do what Walker Kessler can do in the switching. And then like, it's just a very rare commodity to see as seven foot, you know, however heavy guy be able to have the ballerina feet to stop even bad guards on the LSU team. Cause I, I, I think that what he, what he can do for a real uh, NBA team just shows the value and he's not going to put up this gaudy offensive stats because that's just not who he is. But 
you know, defense is important. And I, I think there's this bad connotation that that needs to be like a five out offense. It absolutely doesn't. What I would like to see Auburn run more is DHOs involving Walker and pick and rolls using Walker as the screener. Because honestly, I can't really think of uh, many possessions where Auburn ran a pick and roll using Walker just because the guards on Auburn suck. So they're not going to run pick and rolls very often. They're trying to get into their spots in the paint and hit a semi-contested jumper. So I would love to see like what Walker Kessler can do as a screener, just because in the pros screens are 60, 70% of the offense. And I truly don't know what Walker Kessler's screens are like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're better than Chet Holmgrim's, but like, or Evan Mopley's, but I don't know if it's like, use of Nurkic level or what. So th- that's one thing that I would love to see with Walker in his, in his progression is to just see what he can do in that pick and roll offense. Yeah. And that's probably going to have to come at the combine. Uh, you mentioned it. Auburn's guards have a little bit of tunnel vision. They like to go one-on-one quite a bit, a little bit reckless when I've watched them. And I think if Auburn doesn't, you know, bring that, that natty home um, on the planes, it's going to be probably because they didn't get good guard play in a game and then they got sent home. Um, again, referencing the Vanderbilt game, they really had their way in the second half against a strong Vanderbilt squad because they ran the offense through Jabari Smith and they did run a couple of pick and rolls with Walker Kessler, even throwing him a, a lob pass. And so I put down, like, I think he does show really good rib running and lob lob catching potential. I mean, he's 7-1, of course, just throw it up there. I don't think he's um, a supreme athlete, but I think he's a good enough athlete where he's going to make a defense pay if they want to, you know, double the ball handle or leave him free. Um, And I think he reminds me a lot of um, Robin Lopez in the sense of his rebounding tactics. Like, I don't think he's a great rebounder, but I think he's a good rebounder. He tends to box out his man and a couple others. So it leads uh, it leads a lot of space open for his guards and his uh, other uh, forwards to go and clean it up. So I think that's that will come with time. I think once he gets a little bit stronger, he's going to be able to maybe be more aggressive getting those rebounds. But as of right now, I think it's a really good strategy for him because you have a tendency to see a lot of bigs who have a really good reach and length just kind of go over the top. And that's how they pick up a lot of cheap fouls, but with his ability to just box out that, that kind of minimizes that, that risk and allows, you know, guys like Jabari to go and grab those boards. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that him boxing out is leading to Jabari Smith having those 10 plus rebound games and, and, and such. I think the biggest swing factor for, uh, Walker Kessler is, of course, that jump shot. Teams are going to be looking for it. I, I, I don't think he'll ever be an an average NBA shooter, but in the game versus LSU, I did see him hit a three, so I know that he has the ability to. Let me look to see how many threes he's taken this year. He has taken forty threes. I believe the one against LSU is only his fifth uh, connect he had. He's eight for 40 currently from three, meaning he's yeah. taken 40 threes, which is pretty impressive. Like Chet Holmgren's taken 78. So the fact that he's at least taking the threes, you, I think that he's kind of got, got that Nurkic potential as a three point shooter. 
he might take it and he probably will miss it, but at least he's taking it. But I, I think that's the biggest swing factor for him from being like a a rotation player to a potential starting caliber center is just the ability to hit, take and make some some shots. Yeah, he's got really really good form on his shot. I think on the three he hit against LSU, it did take him a little bit to wind it up, but it's really hard watching these college games and just looking at the statistics and saying, Oh, he's a good shooter or he's not because of the flow of the game. Like we talked about Auburn's guards like to dominate the ball. And a lot of the times like he's surprised that he's getting the ball. And so sometimes you're like, Oh, I haven't shot in a while. Let's, let's go out and, and put this one up. So I think, he has the potential and he's already shown a lot of growth from his freshman year at North Carolina to his sophomore year at Auburn to where I have no doubt that he's going to be a serviceable shooter. Like if you leave him open a little bit of space uh, in the Vanderbilt game, he had a really nice uh, you know, jump shot on the baseline, just quit catch and shoot in the LSU game. He had a nice uh, soft touch on the turnaround jumper and if he does get a three-point shot, doesn't have to be a super quick release, could just be standstill, but just watch out because then you're going to have to really have somebody pay attention to him on the defensive end of the floor while he's you know operating. You can't just say, oh, we're, we only have to focus on four of their players and Walker, just make sure he doesn't get a dunk. If he can spread the floor, really be a pick and pop, pick and roll threat, um, I think you're going to be looking at a, a really solid player. And, and what I mean by like a pick and pop, he doesn't have to be you know, someone who is a dead eye shooter, but if he, but, but if he can turn into like Rick Smith's Rick Smith's was a really great pick and pop uh, jump shooter for the Indiana Pacers could also, you know, dump it in low and get, get a bucket there, but you know, just hit the mid range, extend, extend his range. I mean, we're seeing players of his size, you know, do that more and more frequently. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but I still think there's plenty of room for, for him to grow. And, you know, when, when I look at that, those what I call flashes of brilliance. When I, when I watch a player, I kind of want to be wow. There were two moments that, that I saw that like he was helping and recovering off of the dribble drive. And then the LSU defender had a wide open dunk and he just erased it at the apex of the rim. And then shortly after, you know, he caught that, that three on the wing and just, you know, cashed it. And you could just see that, that emotion that came from him. Like if you get a big that can do that on a consistent basis, you're going to have a lot of teams wishing they would have taken him much earlier in the draft than letting him him slide. With this draft season, there are a lot of competent, good big men like Mark Williams and uh, the guy out of Arizona. There are some really skillful big men in this, in this, uh, in this draft. What it makes Walker Kessler better than those, uh, Duke guys, the Arizona guys, what makes him the the premium center after Jalen Duran? Well, I haven't seen Jalen yet, so I can't. He's next on my list to really scout. So that'll be a, a TBD, but I like him better than Williams, better than uh, Coloco at, at Arizona, because you're seeing production consistently. And I think that's something that I'm really starting to value is when you're playing 25, 30 minutes a night and you're a semi-focal focal point, you should be producing. Um, and that that's why a guy like Chet Holmgren has really continued to rise on my draft board because you see the height and you see the skill set and you talk about the potential. But when potential meets production, that's when you really start to get excited. And 
that's what's happening with Walker Kessler. He was this, you know, number 24 overall prospect, had a pretty disappointing year at North Carolina, looked like he may have been a little bit overrated, but no, he's living up to that Gatorade player of the year in Georgia status. Like he is living up to that first round pick hype and he's really only getting better. Like his blocks uh, this, this year, uh, this calendar year have just skyrocketed. I mean, playing alongside Jabari, they just look like, you know, a perfect fit. And if you're an NBA GM, you can say, okay, Jabari Smith is definitely the future at the four and Walker Kessler is maybe a traditional five, but man, they work really well together and so interchangeable. So I, I almost think that playing alongside Jabari has risen uh, Walker's value because people can now see the vision of like, oh, this can work. It is working and it's going to give the opposition, you know, fits because now, you know, recently people were maybe going back to just like, oh, let's go small. Let's maybe go a smaller five. But if you get a big like Kessler who was able to stretch the floor just a bit, but also just an elite level rim protector that that changes things. I mean, you, you just look at the Utah Jazz when, when Rudy Gobert plays and when he doesn't play. Like he he is their their team uh, defensively. Like they they go as he goes. So that that's why I have him um, higher. I mean, I, I I really don't love the Auburn guards. I think Auburn is one of the top top two teams, top three teams in the nation because of Kessler and because of Smith. And when you perform well and you show that you have a little bit more growth then, you know, I just, that that's what rises them above a notch. I think Coloco is in a similar situation where his guards aren't super strong, but he hasn't really shown much offensive skill set other than putbacks. Um, the production hasn't been there in terms of, of the blocks. Um, and Mark Williams, I think is, is still, if, I know he's going to probably go pro to get that guaranteed money. I would love to see Mark Williams spend another year in college. Um, Kessler is a sophomore. Williams is a freshman. So, so there isn't a small age gap there. Um, maybe Williams would take that next, next leap, but I'm not seeing the production and the, the, what I can project to the NBA level as much from Williams as I do from Kessler. Mm, I understand that. Um, I, I think Walker's just a safer bet to be a, I think his floor is just so much higher than uh, Coloco's. One thing that's irritated me about Coloco is his hands kind of suck. Like when you need hand, you need hands and feet if you're a big. Like those and, and the, I think that Auburn is like the 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 team of hands and feet because Jabari obviously we we talked about it on our first uh, Future Fridays is his hands and feet were the things that were like the most dominant about him defensively. Like and Walker can't doesn't have that, but he has hands in terms of like blocking shots and his feet are, are, are good in terms of a big man. Like that, that is the hands and feet bigs of the NCAA. I, I think the timing of Walker Kessler is immaculate too. Like his rotations are good. He's just going to be a NBA center. And, you know, there's always that, that chance that Coloco could, could become something better, but, the safety of what Walker Kessler can be in terms of his, of his floor is it's gotta be tempting, especially when teams are really starting to, to, to become that 48 minutes of competent basketball. I don't, I don't think Walker Kessler is going to come into the league and start and be a good big man 
at the jump. He's going to have to take time to learn what this NBA game is like. So if a team has the foresight to say, hey, hey, this is at worst, he's going to be a competent center off the bench to start, and then we can build him up to be something great. I mean, there's a lot of value in what Walker Kessler can do. I think he could be a, an anchor of a team's defense. Um, it was really hard coming up with, you know, comparisons for him because, you know, as we were talking off camera, that there are really only so many seven feet plus tall humans on this planet. And you narrow that down even more to those who play basketball. There, there's not a huge window of, you know, other prospects to kind of look at and say, yeah, that's who, exactly who Walker Castle reminds me of. So, when I was looking at my, my floor, my middle and my, and my ceiling, I kind of had to just like go by maybe like, okay, maybe he has this type of career or he's like this player, but with this added or, or this subtracted. Mm. So when, when you hear mine, it's not like, oh, he doesn't play exactly like him. It, it's just, I'll have to, to explain it. But um, what is your floor for uh, Walker Kessler? The Kansas center that played volleyball in the mid Jeff yeah I, the, the the feet and the hands and the patience jeff it reminds me of jeff Withy, and you know he was a second round center but he got a second contract in the league was a productive center i believe he was drafted by the blazers and then traded to new orleans Correct. he has a lot of the skill sets that made jeff Withy an attractive center i hope that his career is better than jeff Withy's, but he did get that second contract and you know as a second rounder, if you can get that second contract, that is a dub. Yeah, Withy did pop into my mind as well. Um, I have this floor a little bit higher. I have it in terms of career. So I think he'll have like a Mason Plumley type career where he could start. He could be a valuable person off of the bench. He's going to be in the league for at least 10 years. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot of things that, that are going to help you win. Um, but he probably isn't going to knock your socks off. But But I think he can be a valuable piece on a winning team. I think that his uh, middle is a seven foot version of Xavier Tillman because they both do a lot of things that help a team succeed. Obviously Xavier is only six, nine. And I think that the fact that he's only six, nine is the reason he's getting the DNP coaches decisions. So having a guy that can do a lot of the things, obviously he's not going to be the passer that Xavier is. No, no, not many people are, but everything else he does is contributing to a victory for for your team. So I, I'm I'm pretty uh I'm pretty sold on the Xavier Tillman comp, but I I had a difficulty trying to find out what his top end is. Yeah, the, the middle end was the hardest for me. Um, and this is just more projecting that he does become a solid three-point shooter. I think his middle could be something like a Brooke Lopez on the Bucks. Like Brooke Lopez on the Nets had post moves for days. I don't think that Kessler is going to have that, nor do I think uh, a team is going to bring him in to, to do that. You really only do that if you have Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic right now. But Lopez reinvented his game somewhat in Milwaukee, became more of a defensive threat and added that, that three-point shot. So in terms of impact, I, I could see him being Lopez on the Bucks, especially when they were running one of the, the league's best uh, defenses. Mm -hmm. What was your top end? Mm -hmm. A starter, a starter for 10 plus years. I, I, it, it's tough to really narrow down what he could be. I mean, the, the shot is just a factor that 
I mean, if he hits his top end outcome, he's a, a legitimate center for 10 to 12 years in the league, getting like a second and third contract. It, it, it was a tough one. I think I'm a little bit more high on, on Kessler. And I think uh, his draft positioning will, I think it depends on how he measures out of the combine. He is 7-1, just like Rudy Gobert. Gobert's got that 7-9 wingspan. I wonder what what walkers will will measure out at. But I, I the things that you touched on, the anticipation, the timing, those are things you, you can't really teach. Like he just knows, like a great rebounder knows where to be. He knows where to be when it's, blocking a shot and that's really tough to try and you know school someone on or have them grow into grow into that as a player either you know it or you don't and as we mentioned earlier he kind of has this you know dna basketball dna i think if he hits and this is like the 99th percentile i think you're looking at a rudy gobert who has a little bit more lateral quickness that could play on the perimeter just a little bit more defensively again we're talking ceiling but th- these block numbers that he is getting in college are something that, that you just haven't really seen in, in quite a long time. So that's where I feel he could hit. Um, right now, Tankathon has him at 23. And I, I just feel like if anybody takes him after 15, they're getting an absolute steal. Like you don't have to hit a home run every time you pick in the first round stage, like, like we've talked about. If you can get someone that's going to be a starter for, multiple years that's that's an easy win so you know if if he slips because people might be cooling on centers a bit whatever team is smart enough to see what he can do instead of what he can't do i think they're going to be uh looking back at the 2022 draft and saying we we knew something that a lot of others didn't yeah i i i don't see the garudi gobert comp but i i see a legitimately good center in the league that uh could contribute to a lot of teams um honestly the person that excites me the most in that game obviously Jabari is just a superstar but I really really like Tari Eason it's tough because he's so misutilized with the LSU Tigers currently because we were really nice about it but the guards suck so he's been he's been thrust into a position he's not in the pros or in any level of basketball, he's not going to be the highest usage rate player on the team. So when, when you look at him at LSU, he's just like, but it, in the pros, I think that he is a four that has amazing defensive potential, can attack closeouts, hit an open three because he is a 35% shooter and plays like, I, I think defensively, if we can get Atari Eason, he would be the missing piece for us going from like a, a bottom 10 to a top 10 because of what he can do off ball and on ball. Like again, Ellis, this LSU game awful for him. I think he, 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 he struggled in every aspect other than like defense a little bit on Jabari because Jabari took a lot of bad shots and that LSU offense was just so mismanaged because they like, players were running into the the spots that were already established. So he couldn't shoot. So he just drove it. Um, But I I think that what he can do, and I would love to do more Tari Eason tape, but what he is currently in my eyes, and it's hard to see because of LSU's deficiencies 
is a four that has a lot of uh, utility in the defense and especially in perimeter defense at six, eight, but he can, he can slide his feet and play some really great defense on, on opposing guards. So hopefully in the future, we do some more Tari Eason, but for me, Eason is like, I have him above, uh, above Murray, Keegan Murray. I have him above uh, Matherin. He's like a legitimate uh, tier three athlete, tier three player for me right now. Um, so, and, and then Jabari is just so, so damn good. But Eason just, if you look past what he does at LSU because he has to, he is a fantastic, fantastic player. Yeah, I'll have to watch more uh, of Eason because in that game, I w- was wondering if he was even going to play. He didn't start, which I thought was extremely odd for somebody who was projected to be a lottery pick. And then he got in the game and he had a really nice coast to coast. And then he had one where he just kind of ran over somebody. And it was just a really sloppy game for LSU. So it was, it was, I can't really make any assumptions over one game that, like I said, he didn't, he didn't jump off the page to me at all. So I'll, I'll need to go back and watch more of him. And also it's for me, when I go into a game and I'm trying to like watch, like I was primarily focused on, on Kessler. I've seen so much of Jabari Smith, like you kind of know what you're going to get there. So I was really just focusing on him. And then when they were all off of the floor, then I was like, kind of like watching Tari, but that LSU team is just really rough. Oh, yeah. um, it's the, like it, it. And, and then it's hard to project in, onto the league because, you know, you're just watching one college game. So I'll, I'll reserve judgment and we'll watch more and we'll go more in depth on him. Um, I think his floor is Shuma Okiki. I think his medium is uh, Damari Carroll slash uh, Jay Crowder. And then if he tops, if he actually shows the playmaking chops, you know, it's crazy. I'm looking at his statistics and like the top end talent his Victor Oladipo, but it's like, he's six, eight. He's it's not the same, but what he's doing at LSU is like really similar to Victor Oladipo. But I, I think that he's one of those fours that plays defense shoots and he has just top tier athleticism. So yeah, Easton is somebody that I definitely want to keep, keep a track on. I mean, it, it's hard with teams like LSU and, Memphis we're going to talk about soon because they don't have like a complete team. It's, it's, it's Tari Eason. It's Jalen Durant. Like a lot of teams need that point guard to make them look better. Like Chris Paul is making Bismack Biombo look competitive and good. A good point guard turns flat blah players into legitimate talents. So if like, if Durant had like a, I don't know, just like a legitimate point guard, he would look so much better. And I think the same for Eason because right now Eason has a higher usage rate than Vic. Um, Like he has point guard legitimate usage. If his NBA role is four man that can dunk and play defense and hit threes, him being the lead playmaker for LSU was just a, a weird, weird touch. But you know, college teams aren't, you know, they don't have the talent that pros do. So it's hard to uh, really project him forward to seeing his current role. How did you feel about Jabari Smith in this game? LSU's defense was legitimately tough. It's really hard for Jabari because every time down the floor, he should be touching the ball. They should be running some sort of action for him, whether it's getting him the ball at the elbow so we can face up in the triple threat 
whether it's a pick and pop for the three screen and roll. It just, it didn't happen. It, it, Katie Johnson. And I think was it Wendell Brown or Wendell Moore uh, or green or green, excuse me. Wendell, they just love going by themselves and just throwing it up. And it, it's really hard for bigs and college to, to get into a rhythm and, as I mentioned, I was watching the Vanderbilt game yesterday and they actually just Jabari was like, no, give me the ball. This is what we're going to do. And he just, just took over the game and, and they looked so much more complete when he was the focal point rather than their guards, just going one on five and just trying to play make on the fly. So I t- typically will give a, if I see a, a really polished big in, in college and if they have a, a bad game, I typically give them the benefit of the doubt because especially in college, you need somebody to, to set you up. I mean, bigs in general need, need players to set them up, but I just kind of felt like that game was, it was a weird pace. It started off extremely weird. Um, a lot of turnovers, a lot of fouls. Uh, Auburn got off to that really quick start and then LSU kind of crept back Then Auburn kind of took the momentum back away from them. So again, it's hard to judge. So if you just look at the box score, you're not super blown away. Two of eight from three, you know, five of 12 overall from the field, but you still see those flashes that's like, oh, if he plays in a good system, this is what you're going to get more consistently. So that's where it's really good to watch the games instead of just looking at the box score, because you can see how he's getting those shots or are they coming late in the offense? He some difficult threes over high contested yeah. hands. Like I remember the, three on Easton where he was playing like legitimately great defense and he just greened the three in his face. Like there's not much more that the LSU could do to make him like, I don't think many college teams can defend him like LSU did, but to see that he could at certain times get free or shoot over the, the defender showed a lot of like, okay, this guy could be a superstar. Um, but yeah, like th- if we showed this game of Jabari Smith first, I think a lot of people would have a lot of different, uh, expect expectations on him. Cause this was definitely one of his worst college games because of just high tier deep. This was at, at, the, at this time, two top tier teams playing. So, um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about in this game or, I think we we talked about the three prospects that really needed to be talked about. Yep. Um, we will be coming at you next Friday, I think, prospect TBD. As we get closer and closer to the draft, the amount of Fridays are limited. So we'll probably do a lot of March Madness stuff because hopefully oh, yeah. these teams are playing with one another. So we only have actually a few more Fridays left until Madness begins. So we'll be really picky with the prospects that we feature. I think a couple of names to look out for Jalen Duran from Memphis, uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, Patrick Baldwin from Milwaukee. Um, there's Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. Um, there's, there's a ton of other prospects um, in Portland's projected range that need to be covered. Even Tari Eason, maybe in more um, in depth. So we'll have a couple of more of those before the madness begins. And then post madness, we'll be doing some more in depth because hopefully we'll know uh, exactly where the picks will be landing. We can kind of uh, hone in and also give updates. I mean, you know, as I mentioned last episode, uh, Benedict Matherin has been on a heater. Uh, Johnny Davis, 
uh, for Wisconsin, put on an absolute clinic in Bloomington against uh, the Indiana Hoosiers, showing a lot more depth to his game offensively than I thought he originally had. And it's really cemented himself as one of my top, you know, four players on, on the board. So players are getting better. That That's the beauty. Feel, about, you forgot to mention Jaden Ivey. Oh, I've, I've, I've already been high on Jaden Ivey. You know that. He's working his way into top three for me. Like he's already top three. Where you been? Like the dribbling is real. I, I, I remember when we talked about him, in week four, I think like the dribbling looked okay. Now the dribbling is like, he's, he's improving every game. They don't give him the pick and roll reps that I would like, but he, in games that they do against good players, it's looking great. He's special. Like if he could shoot a little bit better, he might be number one for me. He's just not, he's just not that. So if the Blazers get lucky, I would have no problem taking him at two. There could be an argument set taking him at one. I would What's be your top five right now. Um, Jabari, Chet, Jalen, Paulo. It's between Johnny Davis and AJ. Um, I think they're tied. I've got Jabari Smith. Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, Johnny Davis, and Paolo Banchero. Nice. All right. So we'll probably, next week, we'll probably talk about Memphis and not looking forward to that at all because that is one of the worst teams to watch. But hopefully Matthew Loves Ball is still a thing when we decide to watch games. Rest in peace to Travel Matic. We are out of here. See y'all.